Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Ah, the lunch hour is upon us. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. Busy show today. Our NHL insider, Eric Tehatcha, coming up at 1230. Uh, lots to dig into. We've got uh, some hockey for you tonight. We've got some hockey for you tomorrow. And I know Saturday we have hockey. We just don't know uh, which series just yet. It's uh, awesome. Let's uh, unpack what we saw last night with Peter Lubardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. All right, Peter, Peter, Logan, yeah. I'm going to start things off. Um, Nathan McKinnon, we saw mm-hmm. the uh, we saw all the stats get flashed up, and we got some different generations right now on the radio, so this is going to be good. I, I saw the, oh, he, you know, he's on a streak like Wayne Gretzky did it in 93, and Mark Messier and Bobby Orr, all a bunch of different generations there. None of those guys played in a bubble. None of those guys uh, had, like, a play-in round or that kind of thing. Lou, where do you come out on comparing Nathan McKinnon to some of the greats where he's going to chase down Brian Trottier from his great uh, Islander run? I, I I think Nathan McKinnon is an amazing hockey player, but I don't think the stats should even be considered the same way. What says you? Well, uh, I guess I don't always think about it, Kelly, the same way. Um, you know, those are, those are greats. And I think when we talk about all those particular gentlemen, as much as we talk about stats and numbers, and maybe this is a great time to bring – the younger generation in, I think it depends on what you value the most. And for me, it never changes. I value winning the most and who has the ability to get it done when it matters. So um, numbers are important. They're a huge part of sports. Um, No, I, I, you know, there's playing around. Um, I don't, I don't actually, I'm different in the sense that I think it's, in some ways more difficult to be really, really good in the bubble. So that to me is not an asterisk. That is a check mark. The only thing I know so far is that Nathan McKinnon looks like he's as good a hockey player as there is today on planet earth. The numbers, the plus minus the response in two elimination games for his team Riding Michael Hutchinson as your goaltender, making plays when it matters the most. You know, Chris Cuthbert last night used one word on a rush. This guy's like a this guy's like a prize horse race. He gallops. That's when you yeah. watch him get the high gear. You know, he, he likes Secretariat. This guy or one of your one of your favorite racehorses. Um, so. I don't get as caught up as as some people do in the numbers. What I get caught up in is, to me, the definition of great player is someone who can do great things when it matters the most. And, you know, in watching Nathan McKinnon for a long, long time, I just think every single spring I see him making strides to get to where he wants, okay. and that is to win a Stanley Cup. Okay, um, just a little reference check there. Uh, 
Lou said secretariat for, for the young generation. That was a really <laughs> good racehorse in the 70s. Okay, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, it's like Seabiscuit, right? It was others, like by the way. Sea biscuit? I can be a little more current. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Seabiscuit was, yeah. a, was a hell of a horse, <laughs> same, I think, right? Same thing. Yeah. Okay, PK, um, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Nathan McKinnon. And and I think mm. I think Lou sort of dodged my question a little bit. Where do you come out? Do you, should we should we compare his stats this year with the greats like Gretzky? What he did with the Kings in '93 and the Oilers and the Messiers and and Bobby Orr's. Uh, it, it's tricky because like you go back and went during this pandemic, it feels like it was about nine years ago. Uh, but doing some of those this day in Flames history, you go through some of the box scores. Like every night, it's eight six seven five six to four ten to nine. And I'm not saying it was easier to score then. And I understand the the game was much different at that point in time and back when men were men. Uh, but you look like there isn't a generation around that could have slowed down Nathan McKinnon. And and that is the the principal point that he is able to to attack teams with is how quick he is. He doesn't have the the lengthy resume to compare what he has done to guys like like he's not Bob Yor, he's not Wayne Gretzky. There's a very good chance he's never going to be either of those guys. But you look at the run that he is on, and like all these guys right now have to do is focus on hockey and focus on stopping one guy in particular, and they're not able to do it. So I, I do hold what Nathan McKinnon is doing right now in the same standard as some of those other streaks that he's being compared with. I, I really do. I think you look at the amount of goals that were scored back in the day and the amount of goals that are scored now, and it's just it's almost cut in half. And for him to still be able to put up the numbers that he's doing when every single guy out there has a strength and conditioning coach and every single guy out there has watched more video on Nathan McKinnon than some people have watched video in their life. And he's still able to do what he's doing. I, I think it does make it equally as impressive as some of those streaks that he's going up against. Okay, Logan, I can be a talk show host now. Uh, you, you've brought a clip to, to play for us. <laughs> well, it's funny that we, we say all this and uh, Lou mentioned this clip, and I, I didn't hear it last night, but it was quite interesting because Nate uh, didn't feel quite so good about his performance early on in that game, yet we're talking about how um, dominant he's been at different points in the series. So here is Nathan McKinnon postgame uh, after last night's win, still lamenting what he could have done better. His dog dog shirt? Is that what he's? Is that what he, yeah, I think shows, I, yeah. I, I, I think that dog was on display at the uh, Westminster yeah. dog show. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, Lou, let's let's kind of hey, hey, listen, hey, before before we go any farther, I just uh, seeing that you talked about dodging your question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I just want to say this because I believe this. I think we always want to compare eras and situations. I just think it's really, really difficult to do. And, and the is, one yeah. thing that I would say about hockey in 2020 and really in the last 10 years, which, again, being Kelly in our vintage, and, and maybe you see it completely different, um, I don't – listen, you know, when you, when you bring out those kind of names, you know, th that is greatness. And Nathan McKinnon, to me, whether it's a streak or the fact that he hasn't won a cup, you know – to me, it can't be compared in any way until you've done some of those things. But what I would suggest when you talk about comparing eras is, Kelly, when, when you and I, you know, as the elder statesman in this conversation, 
the one thing I've believed in the sport is this, and that is, to me, the difference in all levels at hockey between the best guys and, you know, the least gifted people or the least impactful, I think that gap used to be really wide. Now, I think, and it's important in a conversation about comparables, is I just don't see a whole lot of difference anymore between what you might perceive as the best guy in the best league in the world and arguably the worst guy in the league. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, interesting last night because if you would just take that game in isolation, you would have said, okay, we're going to show you a Colorado Avalanche Dallas Stars playoff game from 2020. I think we'll, we'll, we'll get uh, PK first and then Lou. I think you'd probably say, yeah, that's about right. You know, the Dallas struggled to score. Um, you know, the goaltending was a little, you wouldn't expect those goaltenders, but, it, you know, the Avalanche did their thing. You know, Kale McCarr was great. McKinnon made a difference. Ratton made a difference. And um, Dallas got frustrated. So, like, it, it was kind of weird that it, it kind of, uh, when the, Avs had their backs to the wall. The game reverted to what we maybe thought it was going to before we got into the bubble. Yeah, and I think a big part of this and something that's going to be discussed certainly for the next couple of days, and if this series goes the way of the Avalanche, certainly going to be discussed a lot more in Dallas, is I think all that shifted with Ben Bishop going in net in the last game, and now all of a sudden... Colorado's got their groove back because, like you said, Kelly, they are playing Colorado Avalanche hockey where Nathan McKinnon, um, e- even his dog bleep, which 99% of the world would take as their best day, is his dog bleep. Um, but he's going out there, and that pass to Rantanen, there's like nine people on the planet who can do that. And the ability for their defensemen to step up in the play and, and activate and contribute offensively, all that gets going in the last game. They weren't doing that in the first few games of this series. And part of that is Dallas just not letting them, but now they have that confidence to be able to do that again and part of that swagger to get back to their game. And I think a lot of the credit should go to Colorado for getting back to their game, but I do think there's a bit of Dallas opening the door a little bit for that momentum to build for the Avalanche. I completely agree, and I take a cue from last night and Rick Bonus. You know what Rick Bonus was talking about after the game? He was talking about one thing. His best guys weren't anywhere near as good as the other team's best guys. So further to the boss, who led in beautifully, no matter whether we're in a bubble or playing on the street or in the backyard or what the sport is, not every night which is what makes best of sevens beautiful. Um, we talked yesterday. This this uh, series looked like it was on a NASCAR track until last night. But at a certain point, it generally comes down to a more simpler end result. And last night, um, Colorado's best forwards in particular were better than Dallas's are. And the guy who was echoing that sentiment after the game was the head coach of the Dallas Stars. And, you know, this is why sports talk radio is a beautiful thing. Because you know what we all get to do? We get to predict. Second guess. We get to assess. We get to guess. We get to analyze. But you know what none of us 
generally, we do in different ways. And frankly, when you're on the air, we're always trying to bring our best. And, you know, we're always concerned about what somebody's thinking of things that we say. And I think that's more difficult in 2020. It certainly is than when I started in 1984. But it's, it's easy from the outside looking in to assess and go, well, should Rick Bonus made the goaltending change? And then I listened, what a great interview. Go on our website and find it. I let Brian Burke with Boomer and the guys today was just outstanding in a number of things that he addressed. And, you know, he was asked that question, would you have made that change? And, and Brian said he would have, as a general manager, supported it because in his opinion, um, Anton Hudobin, good piece, has done some great work and was arguably playing better. Um, you know, he he said he would have bought into the move because they're a different team when Ben Bishop is right and playing the puck and feeding transition and making Dallas better. But now we're going, we shouldn't have done that. And then one of my favorite guys to deal with is my boss, who would probably have said, well, are you willing to take that chance now with everything on the line? Shouldn't we just stay with Hudobin? Like, this is what makes sports radio awesome. But it, but trust me, when you're in the eye of that storm, none of that is awesome. No, it's you, you, you make a lot of decisions, right? And, oh, and man. You can't possibly make all the right ones, and and people that uh, have been in positions to to make those big decisions, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's right. politics, you know, there's a there's a whole it's industry hard. of second guessers that will sit there and go, "What was he thinking?" Right? You know, and that's that's the beauty of it. And I, I, was, I was thinking about that, and it sort of leads me to uh, how sports is so much different than than other parts of the entertainment business, uh, Lou, is because. If you go see, uh, oh, you know, let's say you go to a Broadway play there and you go check out Cats or uh, Avenue mm-hmm. Q or whatever you want to go see, you know, there isn't a press conference afterwards where, you know, the the uh, arts critic from the New York Times goes, wow, you uh, you weren't very good in that third song in the second act there. You kind of kind of flubbed the chorus there. You never You never hear that where they have to call people out. But in sports... It's expected, and I've always always thought that was such an interesting dynamic with sports, where they these guys have to defend what they've done and stuff. You you wouldn't see like in you know in Canada going, well, what were, you, what were you thinking? You know, purchasing that company, boy, it just hasn't really worked out very well. <laughs> Maybe they do it privately, but they certainly do it, don't do it over a radio station or a TV station. Well, it's 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 interesting, and at a certain point, you know, you hear coaches and GMs and players even talk about well this is what we signed up for and you know there are certain times when you've done this and and kelly um what you see on a day-to-day basis you know i i actually challenge myself and really have the last few years to go well anytime you're maybe thinking about things this way now think about the 90 things that other people have to be concerned about outside of us and our own agendas, like for fun sometimes. And I wouldn't do it because I I do. The one thing I really believe in is I think everybody has skills. I I think everybody has certain jobs that, you know, that that matter. But you're right. You know what I'm not going to do this afternoon? I'm not going to walk down the block 
into my dry cleaning office or dry cleaning store and go, you know what? The next time you better do better with that white shirt in that spot that you left. Let's get those collars better. Come but, on now. Hey, that 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 collar is is offside. And the only reason I bring this up because I think it applies in our in our whole world and the way things are is you're right in sports and in certain avenues we have just such incredibly high expectations of people's ability to execute when it's difficult. And and that's why, you know, even today when we began and you're talking about the streaks and whatever, that that's that's just for me what I and that's me personally. You know, the young guys, lots of different people appreciate we all appreciate different things for different reasons. It's you know, my fascination sometimes of going to a concert and, and people just like they go to a concert to just like unwind and have fun and be entertained. And I think, you know, like led by myself, you know, sports becomes so important with such high expectations that do, do we challenge ourselves sometimes to actually just be entertained? Yeah. Now all I can picture is you at a concert with me and, and just what would that be like? Have some kind of bass solo. Like, I mean, like, what would that be like? Well, think about this, okay? So just because it's fun and, and we're talking about concerts. I'm not a big concert goer. I like music, and I like all kinds of music. But my good buddy Kelly Rempel, um, many years ago in Saskatoon, put me in the second row at an ACDC concert we go. of the of the Ball Breaker Tour. Nice. And, and and I don't know if I have ever recovered from that big ball that kept going, bang, right? <laughs> because I'll tell you this, I don't need to be in row one or row two of any concert. You can probably put me somewhere way at the back. I don't want to be in a mosh pit. I like. I don't need to be up close and personal. Peter, what about you in, in mosh pits? Where do you come out on that? Uh, I'm very anti-mosh pit. Um, I, I tend to I tend to find, A, I get hurt easily, and yeah. B, like I'm, I'm kind of a bigger dude, and those, for whatever reason, tend to be the targets in those sorts of things. Okay. So to the point where I was at a concert one time, stood a solid 15 feet away from the the mosh pit and someone still came out of the mosh pit and tried to mosh with me so i i tend to be the target too much i like to keep my distance good for you good for you uh before we let you go uh yeah. let's talk about vancouver vegas um uh, everyone right. when they made the deal for jt miller went oh don't know about that one um he uh, i don't know if they get as far without him everyone's been talking about you know Pedersen and Horvat and all these guys, but I tell you that JT Miller, he's he's got that experience and he has uh, he's done a lot and maybe maybe done it on the radar a little bit, Lou. Well, he has, and honestly, I think he's been a franchise changer. And, and Mr. Klein, I know that it's one particular team that you watch maybe a little closer than some of the others, not named the Calgary Flames. Um, Twenty-seven years old. Still under contract at a very reasonable 5.25 for the next three years. This guy has done it all for this team. He had 72 points during the regular season. He's tied for sixth with 16. He takes face-offs. Um, he plays in all situations. 
he's physical. The other night he went and basically popped Ryan Reeves right in the mouth. Um, I can't say enough good things about the 27-year-old from East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, I did not necessarily see this coming out of two-time U.S. World Junior member. I, you know, I, I knew he was going to be an excellent NHL player in 2013, at least it looked, after two World Juniors and in a U.S. gold medal winning effort in 2013, a team that, you know, included many excellent players, including the Flames' very own Johnny Gaudreau, that this guy had a chance and, you know, is a first-round pick of the Rangers back in 2011. But, you know, Peter, I think you'd agree I truly believe that without J.T. Miller, the Vancouver Canucks, they're probably nowhere near being in this type of position. I think there is no way Jim Benning could have ever asked for more than what he's gotten. And it's not always easy, I don't think, either, gents, for you know U.S.-born players sometimes to come into a hot and heavy Canadian market. But he was in Tampa, and he was looking for for more, more responsibility, a bigger role. And I just, I think he's one of the great stories of the year. I really do. I, I would absolutely agree with that. And you look at the impact he's had on Elias Pettersson, and I'm not saying that Pettersson is just a, a bumbling idiot without Miller, but putting Miller on that, uh, the, the Lotto 649 line out there in Vancouver and, and just opening up a bit of room for him. When Brock Besser is, is struggling, you can just, JT Miller is there getting those dirty goals that uh, I think Besser eventually does get to, but he's not quite at that point yet. And, and Pedersen isn't there either. Having that net front presence to be able to open things up for what Pedersen can do creatively and what Besser can do with that shot. I think that was a huge thing. And also when you look at the, the playoff experience, they go out and most would agree uh, overspend on guys with some playoff experience like a, a Jay Beagle at $3 million for the next two seasons after this and a little bit of an edge in Antoine Roussel. But it does kind of feel like JT Miller is the adult in the room. When, when things kind of get a little sideways, he is the one going out there with an aggressive shift, as you mentioned, popping Ryan Reeves in the mouth and doing those sorts of things. He's he's contributing like a first liner, but also producing the energy that you would hope for guys from your depth. So he really is doing it all for Vancouver and getting great value from a trade that I was very skeptical on when it first happened and peter even when you talk about some of those other guys and it's i know we're running out of time today but when you analyze teams and the groups you know we always look at the deal and what a guy might bring and is it too long and those things matter but for young teams you know what really matters that doesn't always get talked about the value of people who have been there and done that to help lead the way and to show your younger, more talented players how to do it the right way. And yeah. that in sports isn't talked. And, and Kelly, wouldn't you say that about whether it's our business or all kinds of business? Like, Yeah, you need in, those, those veteran guys to help help the, the younger guys through the ups and downs because it's, it's not going to be all, you know, everything's perfect and wine and roses right. throughout the playoffs because there's going to be times where you doubt yourself. There's going to be times where you're not playing that well or – you got to adjust things, and that's life. And until you kind of go through it, 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 it's good to have a buddy kind of help you there, kind of a mentor you through that. Well, it is. And the thing is, in sports and in a lot of times in life, we don't always pay for the workers. We don't always pay for the intangible people. 
I don't think you can win in anything in life, in business, in sports without those kind of, I call them glue people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, guys, we're, um, we're going to switch things up tomorrow. Uh, Peter Klein is going to switch with Will Nault, so we'll get Willie on the, on the show, which will be kind of fun. And uh, nice. it, it's Friday, so that means um, lose mailbag. Good eating. So that's good. We'll get some food out to a, to a great listener, so you can participate on that and get to our website if you want to get a question in. The more timely, the better, it seems. Normally we take timely questions, so keep that in mind as you enter that contest. And uh, we'll see. Uh, the one thing I did glean from my uh, – I had a, a bit of a call earlier today. The If there is a Game 7 um, mm-hmm. with uh, Vancouver and Vegas, no matter what, it will be the late game tomorrow. That's what I do. Yes. That's what okay. I do. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. So as far as that, we'll figure out what's going on. We're kind of going day-to-day around here. So, Lou, we'll let you enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the games tonight, and we will talk tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Really enjoyed it. Take care. Have a good day. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Uh, Peter Logan, we've been having some fun with this uh, spiciest moment of the week with Bacardi, and uh, I, I think I think we got a nominee. Wouldn't wouldn't some of the goofy stuff that uh, Kirk Cousins said wouldn't wouldn't that be kind of our front runner? Or do you guys have anything else in mind so far this what week? What about Nate McKinnon? Yeah, we could use the uh, the foul mouthed uh, Nate McKinnon. That would work. <laughs> That's it's spicy. Yeah. It's short and sweet, but very spicy. PK, mm-hmm. what about you? Have you heard anything kind of around yet? Was the the Kirk Cousins one. The, the Kirk Cousins one was, was very spicy. Um, I I don't know if we want to be broadcasting that much dumb out into the world as much, but he certainly he certainly, <laughs> what, he certainly what was spicy for us. us. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That, that, yeah. The, like Kirk Cousins level like hurts your brain to yeah, listen that to is, it. That's yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit like yeah, you know. Oh, I'm you know I'm a multimillionaire and you know I play professional football, but. If I die, I die. But if we want to get a buzz, I'm sorry, get Kirk, people what? talking, like maybe depends. Yeah. What oh, it's cer- it's spicy for sure. Okay. Well, we'll have we'll have a meeting early tomorrow, and we'll get it figured out. Uh, so that's the deal. Coming up tomorrow, we'll post it out for you. It's the Bacardi spiciest moment of the week. The spiciest moment. Uh, you see it on Facebook and on Twitter. It's all brought to you by Bacardi. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice. Made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. We'll take a break. Eric DeHatchik joins uh, the crew next on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. Here we are rolling through your uh, Thursday and a busy in the NHL to talk about the games tonight and some of the stuff we've seen in the last couple of days. Our NHL insider is Eric DeHatchek. He comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Eric, how are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Uh, winding it down here in uh, in Ontario, so uh, it's going to be... Uh, are you coming back? Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to be coming back to Calgary next week. So, <laughs> When was the last time you flew? It went a while ago, I guess, hey? Yeah, June 29th, before the airlines uh, started selling middle seats. So, yeah, it's been a while. But I'm uh, keeping my fingers crossed that, uh, that uh, everyone's uh, 
being good and uh yeah, yeah and uh, had a great summer here at the at the lake uh but looking forward to getting back to cowtown too so well you're going to be busy tonight because we've got a couple of really interesting games uh, the flyers islanders uh, islanders can win uh they have another chance to clinch there and move on and the, the golden knights can can get rid of vancouver so let's talk about the early game that goes at five o'clock calgary time uh the flyers and the islanders and barry trotz what else can you say about that guy i mean Clearly, he has made a difference. Doesn't matter what team he plays; he's got that style, and he uh, he's proven it. And he's one uh, one win away from getting to the conference finals. Yeah, well, you know what? So I, I think it's an interesting coaching style there, right? Because you do have a couple of veteran coaches that have had a lot of success. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz finally won a Stanley Cup, of course, with with Washington. But I, I know when Alan Vino was uh, was hired by Philadelphia, there were a lot of people that were wondering, okay, is he yesterday's man? And but if you really examine his record and, and look at the number of times that you know that, that the teams that he has coached have have won the President's Trophy for the you know top NHL regular season team and and that I mean Kelly that that to me is what marks a good coach right it, it's somebody that can consistently get the best out of a team for 82 games uh, you know I, I honestly think that the the race for the President's Trophy is sort of you know shortchanged a little bit because. You know, most people, when at the end of it, it's sort of like, well, those teams never win the Stanley Cup. But but it speaks to consistency, right? And, and consistency is is one of the hardest things to come by in professional sport. But I but I also see a completely different approach in terms of motivation. You know, so so Barry Trotz tends to be a little bit, uh, you know, he's he's just ultra positive, right? You know, he's he's very upfront, very matter of fact, but but he's you know like he's kind of like your grandfather, right? You know, like you know a lot of wisdom there, a lot of you know, he's, you know, he just he comports himself that way. And then so Alan Vino, when, when they were on the ropes the other day, I mean, he challenged his, his he, he guys and, and basically just said, you know, time to time to show up. Right. And he's talking about legacy. Right. So legacy is one of those things where, you know, you look at Philadelphia and say, OK, that's a team that's young and on the rise. So they're not going to write their legacy for a while. And yet he was challenging the likes of, you know, Van Riemsdyk, who's been there a couple of times and hadn't done much in the playoffs. Claude Giroux had not had a very good playoffs and they responded. And sometimes when you're a coach and you use those, that, that sort of tactic, it can blow up in your face, especially, you know, in an elimination game. And the, one of the things that we saw or have seen in this sort of bubble world that, that the NHL is living in right now, it's not a lot of teams have picked themselves off the mat when they've been down. It's just been, Really, really easy to just sort of say, well, it was a good run, you know, uh, and let's just, you know, you know, get through this and, and, and we'll be home soon. And so I, I was impressed that that this messaging that, that he used, you know, it, it just it, it hit the right tone and it got those guys going. And so that w- that was one game. But they have, still have to win another one, and if yeah. they win that, then they still have to win another one. So let's see. Your messaging's uh, got to be two more times. Yeah, exactly. But but and, and I don't know how often you can go to that motivational well. But but you you would have to think that I mean it's it's such a close series and and on paper I, I you know that it's those teams are pretty evenly matched. You know the Islanders I think you know as we've all as we've talked about several times already um, have you know, appear to be overachieving and and yet you know like if if, if you know if, if they've had the kind of success that they've had in two years under Barry Trotz maybe they're just better than flat out better than we we think they are but uh, uh but to me it's one of those games where I you know I I've, I hate making predictions in, in games and especially these these bubble games you know like I 
I'm just wrong all the time. You know, like I, I honestly thought that the Vegas would brush Vancouver aside. I thought, you know, having to go with uh, with a, you know, like a goaltender that hadn't played much in the bubble, you know, so far what we what have we seen? You know, whenever that has happened previously in the bubble, it's been a disaster. This time it yeah. wasn't a disaster. Demko was outstanding, and then he basically stole a game that they had no business winning. So, uh, it's uh, I mean, you know, that's why we're we you know, flip on the channels because who the heck knows what's going to happen next? Right? Yeah, we we knew we, there was a good chance the bubble was going to be interesting and and some upsets, but it it hasn't really been the upsets that yeah, a little here and there, but it's been the weird storylines from game to game, Eric, with the different you know, like. My, Michael Hutchison was, was, you know, now he's like the the best goalie in the world. Like, and it's like, wow. Well, uh, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I'll let, like, I'll let you go down that path. I'm not prepared to. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, you know what I mean. Like he he just you know, uh, there's a guy that I thought was retired, and it's like, oh no, well, I guess he's still playing. I mean, so anything can happen. I was thinking about Vegas, and you know, remember the controversy when Gerard Gallant got you know got the app on the roadmap. Um, and and they and they get Pete DeBoer in, and I thought, wow, boy, that seems. And it wasn't wasn't didn't pay dividends right away, but now you see that difference in coaching and that style and that tempo, and it's like, but now the pressure's on them, right? Like that's that's all good, and clearly on paper they are a better team right now than Vancouver, but if they lose this game tonight, wow, advantage Vancouver. Am I right? Yeah, no, well, no, I, I don't agree. I, I like, I, I think, I think Vegas is a, a, a mature enough team uh, with enough veteran people and, and as you imply, a, like a really experienced coach to be able to just to separate everything in, in a, you know, in, into, um, you know, isolated cases. Like there's tonight's game and, and potentially there's one more. But I, I just think that on the run of the play. I mean, you know, Vegas should have a ton of, of confidence because they have just been the better team. Like, again, you know, Vancouver's impressed me. You know, I, I wasn't 100% sure what we'd see of them in this uh, in this playoff. Um, you know, Patterson's been great. Hughes has been great. You know, we've been hearing all the hype about these guys. But, you know, because you get a chance to watch them a bit more closely, it's like, okay, you know what, the hype is true. You know, and some of these other guys, you know, JT Miller, fantastic. Um so I, I like what they've done, but but they to me they are not on the same level that Vegas is right now. Like Vegas is a team that's clicking on all cylinders. Um, you know, I mean the the best thing about Vegas in the first year was the one to twelve depth, right? So I you know the year they got to the Stanley Cup final, I was at a, a bunch of their games. For some reason, I just got assigned Vegas a lot during that period of time, and the difference that that you know some of those role players made on on that team was was immense they they were they were really good and they just, they found a way like every, you know one time it was you know the James Neal line and the next time it would be the you know the Riley Smith and Marchessault line and they they just found complementary scoring you know all the way through and and so i i see that you know very much in in year 3 too you know they've some of those bodies have have been changed you know Perron's not there anymore Neal's not there anymore but but you know, Mark Stone is an upgrade, and uh, you know, like Paul Stasny is an upgrade. I mean, they're they're just flat out better than they were when they got to the final the first time. And I think you know, they remain really hungry. They, they still have a little bit of that, you know, chip on the shoulder. Some of those guys that have been there, you know, from the the start, the Riley Smiths, the you know, the William Carlson, the guys who were the you know the the rejects from from the other teams. So I, I just like the way that whole group has uh, has come together bold move to pick up Leonard 
looked like it created a goaltending controversy. It hasn't seemed to have affected the team. But you started this by asking about the difference between uh, the, the coaching there. And the one thing that I would say is that, that Peter DeBoer is, is a coach that tends to be a bit more reactive. So if you looked at Gerard Gallant in that, uh, in that first year, I mean, he, he set a lineup and he stuck with it. And he didn't change very much. And so he, he didn't do a lot of in-game coaching. He just ran his lines out there and, 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 and they, they wore you down. And that was a tactic that really worked. But the one thing about Peter DeBoer is that he, he does tend to make more in-game adjustments. And, and I think that he's just, I don't know, craftier the, the, the right word. It's just a different approach uh, to coaching. And, and so I think that that's one reason that, that you're seeing, you know, Vegas taking these strides. I just think that it's a, it's a, a new voice. He's added a few different wrinkles to the, to the way that they, they just approach the game, you know, tactically and, and just motivationally, I think too. And, uh, and, and it looks like it's really come together very well. So I, I, I don't know. It, it almost feels like it's it's Vegas's year this year. Um, um, and so I, 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 I don't see, I don't see them losing, you know, two in a row to Vancouver. And I certainly, you know, you know, I'm pretty sure that they're going to get through tonight. But again, who knows? I like I like Vegas to get through. I, I, um, I think they're I think they're a Stanley Cup uh, finalist again this year. We're chatting with Eric Tehachuk. He's our NHL insider. We are joined by Peter Klein. Peter. Uh, we see a, a trade in the NHL yesterday with the Montreal Canadiens bringing in Jake Allen to help back up Carey Price. Um, on the one hand, this is a Habs team that had a lot of cap space. On the other hand, that's a lot of money to be spending on two goaltenders. Uh, where do you come down on the Montreal Canadiens acquiring uh, Jake Allen? Yeah, so I like the move, and 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 I know that that sort of maybe flies against the the conventional social media wisdom that was out there. But but what I will tell you is that you know like that, that's a move designed for for one year next year, right? And so I think what what a lot of people, what a lot of us are anticipating is that however next year looks like, um, there'll be a pretty much a, like a heavy concentration of, of of games, and so. I think you're even seeing it in this in in this bubble life. Like I, I was crunching the numbers the other day. I think that 43 goalies have played in in these playoffs. Now, granted, that's there's a 2014 playoff, but 15 teams have used two goalies, and, 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 and you know, and two have used three. And so I just think that the day of that bell cow goalie that's going to play 70 games and and be your guy, and and the backup basically is, is a friendly guy who opens the, the bench and, and and you know and plays every three weeks, and you hope that you get a few wins from him, but you don't you're not really counting on it. That has changed. I think we're going to see even for the the, the most elite goalies, it's going to be a two third one third split. And if you want to make the playoffs, you got it. You you need a backup that can win, and that that is something that Montreal has lacked. So I think a guy like Jake Allen. Um, you know, there are times when his confidence has flagged and he hasn't been very good. But but he's he had a pretty good year this year in, in, in St. Louis, especially as a guy that could win games for them on the road. And so I think that, that, that Montreal fills a gap of, of something that they needed. Somebody that can come in there and, and, and give Carey Price a little bit more time off which I think will make Carey Price even better. And then I think that he's a guy that can that can do what, what you know, this procession of, of backup goalies that they've had in the last little while haven't been able to do, which is actually win the games. And, and you know, if you're in Montreal and you think you can, then you think you can, you know, make it to the playoffs because you, you like the strides that you made this year. That's a key piece. That's a key piece. I, I, I like it. I, I think that it's a smart move. And it's, it's a one-year commitment to it. 
you get to know him, he gets to know you. Like if he ends up being the backup goalie going forward, he's not going to make $4 million on his next contract, but you know, maybe you can get him at a discount when, uh, when that contract is up and all of a sudden some of these younger players that you're going to have to pay eat up that cap space. So I, like I say, I liked it, um, even though most people seem to not like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming out of their series loss to Tampa Bay, many were wondering if that was the last time we saw Zidane Chara in a Bruins jersey. Uh, if it was up to Chara, apparently that answer is no, as he is committed to returning to play next season. Are, are you surprised that we could get at least one more year out of Zidane Chara? Well, surprise. That's a good, I mean, I'm, no, I, I guess I'm not surprised because I, I think that, that he's one of those guys, you know, that, that seems like a, a hockey lifer. He, he, he just likes what he does, right? You know, so there, there are some players that when, when you, they get to a certain point, either they're physically beat up or they, they just lose their appetite for the game and for the competition. And you watch Chara play, and, and he doesn't look like that guy, right? So he looks like a guy that still, you know, wants to play, uh, still believes that he can contribute. I think that, you know, somebody like him, like I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Um, and and so, you know, but, but, but guys like that also have a lot of pride. So they have to at first look internally and say, okay, you know, am I going out there and embarrassing myself? Have I lost so much that I, I can't contribute? He's not the player that he was. You know, he's not a Norris Trophy winner or a Norris Trophy candidate like he was for, for so much of his career. But I think his leadership is important there. And the fact is, I mean, he's still one of the strongest, most physically imposing players in the game. So, you know, if you can... If, if you can get him back, and, and it doesn't sound like salary is you know an, an issue, you know, you, so you get him at a reasonable contract number, and he's he's got a role on that team. He's got a leadership role. Um, he's got he creates a physical presence, and and you know he's still you know a, a decent defenseman. He's not what he was, but he's still a decent defenseman, and that's a signal to me that he thinks that this Bruins group will stay together more or less intact and take one more crack at it. Because, you know, like I, I would say, if you were to merge the last two NHL seasons and say, what was the best team over a 24-month period, my, my answer would be Boston, right? They won the league this year. They were second in the league last year. So there was a level of consistency there. Um, you know, I mean, are they out because, you know, they had to play their backup goal? I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, to assess results when when everything is so oddball right now but i i think that this is a signal that that they feel that this group or whatever group that they put on the ice next year has a shot at winning he wants to be part of that group so so yeah i guess I, i'm not that surprised he's coming back uh the the boss man asked us this in the the first segment and i want your opinion on this just the, for the historical perspective on it nathan mckinnon has had a point in basically every game that the, not basically has had a point in every game the avalanche have played since we we've come back into this bubble. And when you're getting point streaks that long in the playoffs, your name gets put up there in some pretty rarefied air. I guess, historically speaking, there's still a long way to go in Nathan McKinnon's career, but are we starting to see someone who is entering the conversation among some of those all-time greats? Um, hmm. All-time greats. Yeah. It, it's, I think if yes, if if he can continue to progress, and then if he can and and then has a, like a consistent period of time where he's one of the top players in the game uh, for you know a, a six to eight year period, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's. You know, to me, uh, you know, you, he almost won your MVP ballot back. I think I had him second. 
And I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, I might have got that wrong. Like he's just, and, and players don't count, I get that. But um, I really liked his game this year uh, for what he did in Colorado. I remember Landis Cog was hurt for a long period of time. Rantner was hurt for a long period of time. You know, Matt Calvert was playing with him at times. You know, Comfort. I mean, they, they had a rotating cast of, of people that, uh, that were on and off his line. And he was just consistent all the way through. Just, he's just dynamic. He's become a, a great leader. Um, you know, he's so much fun to watch. Like when, when you think about the way McDavid accelerates, you know, McKinnon is right there, you know, and I think that he has a little bit more of, a, of like a, a physical presence. Like McDavid doesn't shy away from contact, but, but McKinnon initiates contact. So, you know, there's, he just checks so many boxes in, in terms of what makes a, a guy great. And, and, and it's finishing ability. He finishes he makes plays, um, great hockey sense, right? I mean, that that pass over to Ranton, uh, that is really hard to do at speed. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to do mm-hmm. at speed, and he made it. He made it look easy. At, I don't know. I, I, you're right. I, I think we're we're watching. You know, I've been doing it for forty some years, and we are watching one of the great individual playoff performances of all time. But and you know, if they can get through. Dallas. I mean, I, you know, that, that's I guess the part of me that has you know like a one percent interest in being a hockey historian wants him to get through the next round because I want to see what he does against uh, Vegas. I think Colorado Vegas could be a spectacular Western Conference final, and um, and I want to see if you know if he's able to will his team past them because you know the one if, if it gets to that point on the one hand you're going to have Vegas with these two unbelievable goaltenders and you know unless they get Francois back it'll be Michael Hutchinson so. That'll be a challenge, and that'll be a test. And um, you know he won't be able to stop the puck, but uh, but he sure can drive the offense. So, yeah, you're right. He's um, he's he's real special. Has been for a while, and if he keeps this up, um, you know we're going to be talking about him. Uh, you know among the, the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I think that's fair. Eric, um, the next time we talk to you, I guess you'll be back in Calgary. Is that correct on Tuesday? Uh, flying on Wednesday, so one more time, one okay. more hit, <laughs> one more Ontario <laughs> hit, and then we'll uh, we'll get you back in our time zone. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll talk again on Tuesday. All right, thank you. There we go, Eric Tehachek down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta. Steaks and ribs since 1975. You can check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. You can pick food up. You can get it delivered. It sounds perfect for the long weekend. We'll take a break and put a wrap on Hockey Central and tee up the big show right here on Sportsnet 960.